Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 196, brought to you by Hookem.com and our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, and I'm joined, as usual, by Kirk Bowles, the duck. And Kirk, uh, we're coming up on 200 episodes, but this is a first for the little podcast ESPN senior college football writer Heather Dennich joins us. You can find her musings on Twitter at CFB Heather. Heather, what's going on? Well, just trying to make it through a, another week of college football and a global pandemic, my friend. Just one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time, one hour at a time. So, so just generally, Heather, what do you think of college football so far, the way it's handling everything? And, uh, do you feel like it's been smart to play? It's been going off okay? I think heading into this, Kirk, I had the feeling from speaking to all the commissioners that those who could play would play. And that has come to fruition to this point with the big three. And I talked to Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby yesterday, actually, and got his thoughts about testing and how things have gone. And I think he summed it up perfectly when he said, we can't declare victory yet. You know, you see what's going on with Baylor and one day you wake up and a program has a lot of positive tests and then you get an email from Oklahoma and they're fine. Their positivity rate is like 1% or, or zero. So it, it literally, like you said, depends on the day, but the commissioners realize that we are heading into your typical flu season and holidays and there's a lot of unanswered questions yet about what may or may not happen. So we, we've seen football, and I think everybody just loves that fact. And every Saturday we get some blessing, guys. Well, well, you said Bob Bowlesby. You need to call him the great emancipator, the man who saved college football. <laughs> I know you're a Big Ten girl from Pennsylvania. Uh, but on behalf of the guys down south in the Big 12, you're welcome, Heather. You're welcome. <laughs> Here's some football. Enjoy it. Um, I am, I, I, you know, I talked to Bob last week, and uh, which game, Doug, did they just move back to December 12th? Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State. Baylor, Oklahoma State. Was moved, yeah, moved back to December 12th, which was supposed to be the Big 12 championship game, but now it's going to be moved back to December the 19th. Um, I'll ask you both. Hey, Kirk and I talked about this a little bit before we got on the air. Uh, do you think we get through college football season? I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I just, I'm feeling a little skeptical that, that we might not even make it um, uh, to November at this point. What do you think, Heather? I 
I'm skeptical as well. And, and I say that because of the fact that Baylor showed us it doesn't matter if you have daily testing. It doesn't matter um, if you're testing three times a week. And, you know, I read the Washington Post and this headline yesterday was, are we entering the second wave? And I, I think maybe we are. And I'm certainly not a medical expert by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a very real situation. And when you see an SEC game postponed, uh, to me, that's a big statement because there's a general feeling out there, right, that if anybody's going to push through this thing, it's going to be the good old SEC, right? Oh, but, my God. Look, so true. So you, true. You can't, right? And these administrators know that. They know that if you get to a certain point, you've got to wave the white flag and surrender because at the end of the day – it has to be about the health and safety, not just of the players, but of the coaches and the staff and the doctors and the trainers and every single person who is getting tested to go on that field. Yeah, I mean, you just can't play college football in a bubble. You know, NBA did it and made it work. The NFL is trying to make it work without a bubble. They, should have, they should have done the bubble. The, the NFL yeah. And they're and they're having big issues now. Now we look at Florida. Florida's cropped up with 19 positive cases. It just played A and M. I just spoke with an A and M official and said no positives, no new positives for them. They're playing on playing uh, Mississippi State on this Saturday. And then you have Dan Mullen said pack the swamp. Uh, stupid, stupid. It's, it's, sorry, ninety thousand in there. So I mean, was it ironic? You think Heather that? You know, one, two, three days after that, you know, Florida's hit with 19 cases. Right. I mean, my goodness, my goodness. And, you know, as soon as he said that on Saturday, I sent a text to Scott Strickland, our AD, and said, so are you going to let this happen? <laughs> Before I got a response, but his response was, we're going to continue to follow protocol on, on campus. So, yeah, guys. I mean, like, this is what I've been telling people who are just my friends around the neighborhood who ask me about college football. I say, guys, if Cam Newton can test positive and the New England Patriots can <laughs> shut things down and the Tennessee Titans, who have all the money and all the resources in the world, then, right. yeah, college football is going to have some problems this year. <laughs> and nobody's immune. Nobody's immune. And doesn't that, doesn't that sound like the most Florida thing ever <laughs> uh, after that? After we should have just cut cut them off and let them float into the Gulf, uh, isn't that the most Florida thing ever to try to pack a dang stadium? Oh my God! What are, what are they going to do next? Host the GOP convention? I mean, let's well, you know, let's just, do it. Let's do it. Just lost A and M, and I don't know how many A and M had. It's hard to tell, but Aggies make a lot of noise, and I think he was very frustrated by by that road loss. So, uh, you know, who knows if it's going to, if they're going to get that Florida LSU game in or not, it changes by the minute. The big 10 talk about big 10. Uh, they're supposed to play in a week, uh, next week. Uh, do you think that's going to go off as planned or, uh, what's your expectations of the big 10 and the PAC 12 Heather? Well, I think that's interesting because I think they're going to start and then there's going to be a stoppage. I just don't know how – we have seen it. I mean, we've been watching college football. I mean, Houston's played one game for crying out loud. So, you know, to think that the Big Ten and Pac-12 are just going to 
smoothly roll through seven or eight game schedules to me, I, I find it hard to believe even with the daily testing and the PCR testing. And people have to remember that big 10 athletes are out for 21 days if they test positive, which I think is great. Let me say this, what the big 10 has done and put into place as far as protocols and cardiac and testing and everything that they've done, they've been over backwards to do it as safe as humanly possible. And with what they have in place, I might argue that they are the safest conference as far as protocol goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you get past for 21 days. Yeah, that's you're you're basically done. That's half the season almost. I I, I just wonder what happens if there's an outbreak. Um, if there's like if there's like ten guys. Yeah, ten guys in the same room. The quarter uh, like the 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 secondary room or the linebacker room, and they lose eight to ten guys, and they're going to be out for three weeks. That's a crusher. That's a real well, crusher. What they're hoping is that the difference in their league is the contact tracing is significantly diminished so that you then don't have 21 guys. You have the one or two guys who may have tested positive and not the entire room. Their doctors were telling us during the Big Ten press conference when this was released, were saying that these tests, they hope, can pick up the virus before you're contagious. And I don't know... Um, wow. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, but wow, <laughs> that's. Uh, well, what do you, what do you, what kind of percentages, Heather, would you put it? Okay, there's probably a good chance uh, the Big Ten will be in the CFP that they will play enough games to merit worthy consideration of the committee, and the Big Ten could be in the CFP. What kind of percentages would you put? Wow, that's a uh, that's tough, Kirk, because. <laughs> If they get through the season, it's hard not to imagine Ohio State in there. They're just, I mean, on paper, they're the most talented team in the country, arguably. They're so good. Um, I just don't know that they're going to play enough games. Yeah. I mean, not even, not not to qualify. I don't know that we're going to get to that right. point. You know, right. I don't know that you could put a percentage on it because I think, you know, <laughs> the conversation about – can the Pac-12 get in with a seven-game schedule, to me, was aimed kind of in the wrong direction. Sorry. Because if Oregon goes 7-0, and they're absolutely in the conversation. Of course. Right? Absolutely. And who's to say that Alabama won't wind up only playing six, seven games anyway because of the pandemic? You just – we still don't know all of this stuff. I think it would be cool if um, – well, I don't know cool for the team that's going to be negatively affected, but a 7-0 and Oregon over a 10-1 and Oklahoma in the Big 12, getting that last CFP spot. You got two uh, losses, remember? Or, or, or yeah, 10-1 and Oklahoma State. Let's say that, that. That's a very good point. I yeah. mean, you make a good point, said. I mean, Heather, do you think in Oklahoma State, they're the only undefeated team left uh, after the Sun Belt week, in, week and they got Sun Belt beltonized, uh, do you think Oklahoma State has to run the table for a Big 12 team to have a really viable chance to get in the playoff? I think they do because not – I mean, obviously the Big 12 was hurt by Texas and Oklahoma both losing. 
But right. beyond that, the league, Oklahoma State was hurt by them losing because it hurts the strength of the entire conference in the eyes of the committee, right? And we talk about strength of schedule all the time in terms of the CFP, and we don't have those non-conference matchups. So this year, I've been describing it as, don't call it strength of schedule, call it strength of conference, because how many nice. ranks opponents at the end of the day right. is Oklahoma State going to play? <laughs> That's Not great. many. Not and, many. And, and they played the weakest schedule so far. You know, they've beaten who they beat Kansas, West Virginia, and barely got by a pretty decent Tulsa team. But like I say, everybody else has losses. So I'd hate to be on the committee this year. But you know what, guys? I will fight that brand name sort of hypothesis out there. I will fight that, oh, if it's not Oklahoma or Texas, the Big 12 can't get in. Because the very first year of this darn thing, <laughs> who were we talking about? We were talking you, you about TCU until the – for weeks afterwards, we were talking about Baylor TCU, and right? they didn't get in. <laughs> and one of them, and one of them scored fifty on a had to have a game, and still dropped. Yeah, the last and, week. Yeah, right. it still dropped. So, but if you have an undefeated team from any Power Five conference, they're going to be in that conversation. It doesn't have to be an Ohio State or a Michigan. No. I, I believe that, having gone through the mock selection. Exactly. Uh, well, how is how is how has your your life changed with this pandemic as far as travel as far as how you go about your day to day what have you had to do to adjust um so i have three small boys who are currently in the midst of virtual school uh elementary school in my dining room right now as i talk to you guys and i am i'm not traveling this year and usually i go to espn every weekend in the fall for a studio show that we do called championship drive who's in and we did that i do that from home now where are you where are you based heather i'm in maryland okay um so the, the biggest change is probably not traveling, and I, I'm not going to go to Dallas this year for the first and last CFP rankings, which I usually do, and I'll miss that. I miss, I miss traveling. I really do. Um, I miss being at games, but it's like, you know, why go if you're going to get the press box Zoom access that I'm going to get right here, and it's just, you know, a safety issue, obviously. Yeah. You're missing out. You're missing out on some great boxed lunches on the <laughs> rest box, Heather. I don't. I don't. I don't know. My father-in-law brings home some great boxed lunches from the elementary school. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, we missed out on our corny dogs at uh, at the state fair of the Cotton Bowl. It was so strange. It they was were actually so open, strange. Open during the game and everything. By the time we finished our work, they'd shut down since there's no state fair. So and Kirk was uh, broken. I was like. You mean they didn't say, hey, wait, those sports writers are on their way down. Let's let's save these corny dogs. They could have sold a million, said. You know that. So are your boys worried? Like, did mom get fired? She's at home all the time. What? What's the deal? No, with it's, it's the opposite. They were like, Mom, especially during um, the summer and the spring, my, my 10-year-old said, Mom, you're working more now than you do during college football season. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's probably the biggest mystery is that we're busy as heck because we're almost covering sports and the pandemic. And, right. And, you know, uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the story you had online this week about uh, maybe the creation of a fourth division if you will, and the night commission survey that showed how 
there's such widespread dissatisfaction with the probably mostly the power of five schools. What do you see uh, that leading to anything? Because there is a lot of dissatisfaction. I think it could, especially because there's so much financial distress right now, right? And that's usually something that can or does lead to change somehow is when people really feel the budget crunch. I thought one of the things that was interesting in that survey was an overwhelming willingness among all to cap coaches' salaries. Right. Um, oh, wow. And, and <laughs> if, if that were to go through, I mean, look, guys, I look at this budget stuff from a uh, you know, bird's eye view, but it's like Wall Street to me at this point. At some point, this bubble is going to burst. Mm -hmm. You can't keep paying coaches $10 million in the midst of a pandemic and assistants and coordinators hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Sure you can. <laughs> and no one says you can't do that. I'm, I'm working for you, man. <laughs> they are... We, we we are in Austin, and pe they, they're talking about Urban Meyer down here. People are are talking about, we don't care if you have to give Tom Harmon $25 million to go away. We want Urban. That's, those are the kind of ridiculous conversations that we're having during a global pandemic at a school that has laid off people. And so, That's because yeah. it's not the fans' money. <laughs> exactly. They think it's right. monopoly money. They do. Yeah, they do. You're right. Great. So – so the likelihood we could have, I don't know what's better than a division one, division half, I guess, where you have like 65 schools or uh, what's the reasonable expectation something comes of this, Heather? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. That's hard to answer without me having asked each power five commissioner. And when I talked to Bullsby yesterday, honestly, um, it was about five minutes after the survey came out and he wasn't, he wasn't sure about it. It's such yeah. a, a detailed thing and his comment to me was if there are issues everyone knows there are issues and discontent with the NCAA but can we fix some of these things can we fix name image and likeness and agents he he really kind of stressed that the pressure on these student athletes coming from family members and agents in all different directions if they can fix those issues you don't really need a separation from the NCAA, but I think it's important to remember too that that specifically set a fourth division within the NCAA. I felt like there were a lot of tweets saying "Power Five breaking away from the NCAA," right. and that wasn't what I read. To be perfectly honest, it was a fourth division within the NCAA or a separate entity for FBS football, mm -hmm. and that was supported more by Division One schools who don't have football. Right. So it's also important to see who was voting for what. Yeah. Well, you know, these, these power fives that with the fans that want to break away, it's like, okay, what's the NCAA run? Like 88 sports. Then if you totally break away, you got to set up some organization, bureaucracy, uh, enforcement, all that stuff, which would just be a nightmare. So, and, and you're never, and duck, you're never going to, and guys, you're never going to fix the agent problem. No, as, as long not. as there's talented college football players yeah. uh, and a lot of them from uh, impover impoverished backgrounds, you're never going to fix the agent problem. Money is money. And they got into this to be pros and to enjoy the trappings that come along with it. So 
it's going to be difficult to enforce that part of it. At least, at least the athletes are finally getting a little bit of justice, if you will, with hopefully name, image, and likeness coming, and then the the whole one-time transfer immediately be eligible, which the council is hoping to send to the membership in January. So they're taking baby steps that are long overdue. But I don't know. Do you see progress, Heather, on that front as far as protecting the athletes? I think so, yes. And I think that the pandemic, fortunately, has allowed them to feel empowered more in their voices and given them more of an outlet, whether it's for – racial, social injustice, or more rights for the players. I think that they've found a platform and they've found some unity together. And I think, honestly, a lot of that was inspired by the NBA and NFL players who spoke out as well. So I think with a greater sense of confidence from the student-athletes level to recognize and realize, hey, we can speak up on behalf of ourselves for this and make some noise, I do think – that it, it pushes administrators to move a little faster and acknowledge it. Right. Uh, w- one question I wanted to ask you about Texas. They're 10 and seven since that Sugar Bowl win over Georgia. You mean when Sam seven. said that we're back, that one? That, that's the one, Sid. You remember that. Uh, Just making sure for the listenership. How, how is Texas viewed around the country, in your opinion, and as far away as Maryland, you know, what do you, how do you see the Longhorn brand right now? Mediocre. <laughs> um, average at best. Mm-hmm. Not like the glory days. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think that's the simple answer. It's certainly fallen behind mm-hmm. Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State. The teams that are recognized nationally are the ones that we're all talking about. And it's because of the college football playoff. And it's sort of like the NCAA tournament and the final four. Whereas like everybody, like if you don't get to that point, how do you consider your season? Right. And Texas has always been held to a higher standard Mm-hmm. And it's not there even within its own conference. And so nationally, it's certainly right. not there. No yeah. conference championships since 09. Yep. Two national championships since, what, in 50 years? I mean. One double-digit win season since 09. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's yep. bad. And uh, Tom is under fire. Um, have you have you ever spoken with Tom? Do you, have you been around Tom in your travels? Uh, I know you do a lot of Big Ten stuff, and mm-hmm. he was in Ohio State. Yeah, I've talked to him. I've talked to him multiple times, and um, I know that he's a he's a huge Sam Ellinger fan. And I remember talking to him last year, and he thought that he had a chance to push him for the Heisman, and. I did talk to him when he was at Ohio State and followed that whole story from his coaching transition to Texas. But at, at some point, the recruiting comes under the microscope as well, right? And I'm certainly not a recruiting expert, but if you're not beating the likes of those teams, obviously you question, are you recruiting uh, at a level of Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson? And I don't know the answer to that because I'm not a recruiting expert. Yeah. Um, They're decent. Well, the ratings say that, you know, they had two top three classes and a top ten, so Mm -hmm. supposedly they are, but we're not seeing the results 
And, and the other thing that's so funny about this, I was talking to Chris Del Conte today, is that, you know, they're on the one-yard line against TCU and fumble. If, if they score, they probably win that game. If Sam Ellinger, if they'd have gone for two in regulation, like I was imploring them to do, and, and Sam gets in, they could be sitting there 4-0, and you know, top 10, two plays, and that's how close they are, but they're still so far away. Right. Right. Yeah. But you know, guys, like you look at programs like Florida State and Michigan and Miami and Nebraska. I mean, Texas is in some pretty good company right now, guys. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, you know, as, as tired as people are of hearing about Alabama and Clemson, I think there's also something to be said for wow, we are watching and have witnessed some of the best football and football coaches in a long time. I mean, you're talking about NFL talent, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny because I live in, I live in Maryland and um, my boys have seen Navy football players and they, to, to the little guys, they seem huge. Right. And I'm like, if you would stand mm-hmm. next to the Alabama players coming off the bus, man, like they, it is NFL, it is yeah. NFL talent. And it is, it's surreal just how good they are. So I know that Texas fans want, want more, but um, they're not, they're not alone. Yeah. They're not alone. Uh, last question I have is that we, we mentioned urban Meyer, Cedric touched on that. We're all convinced he still wants to coach. Are you, and you know, his name has been linked to Texas and USC. Are you convinced he wants to coach and he'll get in back to a college or NFL job? So I certainly will never say never, but I can only answer that question based on my last conversation with Mm -hmm. him, which was about a year or so ago about this topic. And he seemed adamant that this was it. And it was because of health reasons. And I remember Mm -hmm. sitting in his office and he made a fist and he said, this is how big the cyst was in my brain. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize that. And it was such a, visual image I called the neurologist of the Washington Redskins and was like can this happen and he was like yeah it can inflate like like a balloon in your brain wow Um, so it is a very real health issue that he dealt with on that sideline that day that that image he collapsed Mm -hmm. had his hand on his head um so I certainly wouldn't write off the possibility but I also do know that there is a very real health issue that he had Mm -hmm. that caused him to make this choice Right. So, so who wins the national championship before we let you go? Ah, whoever finishes the season. <laughs> no one. Dr. No Fauci one. Wins. Dr. Fauci wins. You mean the 2021 <laughs> national championship? It's so far away. It is. Oh, it feels so far away, guys. Uh, I will tell you my top four that included teams that aren't playing as of this past weekend was Clemson. I had Georgia second because I was not putting Alabama number two after giving up 600 yards. <laughs> so I had, um, yeah, I had Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, somewhere in that. You like, really went, all, went out on a limb there. I, I mean, know, right? <laughs> Won't you roll those dice, man? <laughs> oh, um, I didn't hear Oklahoma State. Did you, Cedric? I didn't hear Iowa State. I mean, you know, where's the line? I know I didn't hear Texas. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear any of those. So just we wants to get to, the we'll have to venture a little north to, uh, to experience, experience some CFP love. 
Heather, it's great to talk to you and we should, we need to do this again and hopefully we'll have something to still talk about in the next month or so, but uh, we hope you can join us again. Yeah. Fingers crossed guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you stay safe and enjoy as much football as you can see. Okay. We hope it continues. So. All right. Likewise. Thanks. All right. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye. Bye Heather. Bye. On second thought. Crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Doug, that was a great conversation with Heather. She is she is funny and, and cool and smart. Very much on top of it. So, uh, yeah. Can you imagine doing that and be the father of three boys, you know, cooped up in the house? So, yeah, our hat's off to her. That was that was a fun interview. Yeah. Um, what's not been so fun is your Texas Longhorns, um, Texas fans. Uh, the, the Oklahoma loss still, still burns. And Tom Herman isn't having to just deal with football matters. He's still having to deal with the eyes of Texas controversy, which has kind of taken on a life of its own. It's regained some momentum. And, Duck, it's funny. When when you start losing games, mm-hmm. these little things start to mount poke, up. Out, poke out from, from underneath the surface. Uh, Tom showed up at Monday's presser with a, with a prepared statement uh, about the uh, eyes <clears throat> of Texas and basically Chris Del Conte – and the, the president or they're, they're commissioning a study of the eyes. And he basically said, Duck, that it's still up to the players if they want to stay for the eyes, which I think is a mistake because what we saw with Sam out there by himself. Right. And ba- with, you know, with a couple of others. Not a good look. Not a good look. It, 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 it showed division and uh, – do you think that this thing is bigger than Tom thinks it is? Well, I don't know how, how it would be. I mean, you know, and Tom looked pretty haggard, you know, and beaten down, and who can blame him? I don't know how he'd get two hours sleep a night. I mean, you know, he can say all these issues are fixable, but four games in, they haven't been fixed. And, and I think the fan base would probably argue uh, that fact, whether it's fixable or not. And then you compound that with the social unrest on campus and involving the eyes. And, uh, you know, he's just got a million things on his plate. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think uh, he should have encouraged his team to stay. He should have told his team to stay. He's the guy in charge. He's the boss. And uh, he should say, in my opinion, the team, you stay on the field, you thank our fans. You don't have to sing the eyes of Texas, but well, you need to be on the field to go united. Here's for, my thing, but are you thinking well, – some of those fans were very very mean to some of these players during the summer on sure. social media and Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thanking people that 
you know, if, if, if you called me out of my name and, and, and treated me less of a person uh, than a football player, because you see the, you see some of the true colors that come out of some people that can cheer for the Jersey, but they forget that there's, there are people underneath that burnt orange Jersey and um, they take it as a sign of disloyalty and it's all or nothing. So uh, I think um, the fact that Sam went out there uh, is complicated, but you have to, you have to remember, you have to look at it in totality, duck. Sam had the backs of his African-American teammates this summer. So it, it just puts it all in such a, a complicated mess. And listen to this, this conversation that our own Brian Davis had with Tom. Tom, we got to go back to the beginning. I mean, I, I understand that the eyes is a nuclear bomb in your lap that nobody knows how to disarm. I, I get it. I totally get it. But what do you say to the fan base that all they see is two and two, their traditions are being taken away, and nothing is, is happening here in the fourth year of your program? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say nothing, uh, but I, w- I would argue on that. But other than that, I, I would say what, what I said to, to start the press conference, which is we thank them. We thank them very much for their support. Uh, and we understand that uh, at the University of Texas, they, they've got uh, tremendously high expectations. And uh, I can assure you that our players are working their ever-living you-know-what off uh, to achieve those very high standards. Uh, and expectations and there will be uh, you know our guys hold themselves to the highest of standards as well as our coaches and so um, what I would say to them is thank you and um, we appreciate their support and we are working night and day around the clock uh, to give them uh, the team that uh, everyone uh, wants to see out there. So Ducky called it a nuclear bomb and I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's that to the point of that kind of cataclysmic mm-hmm. event, but it's not going away. And he talk, Tom talks about things being fixable, the on-field things being fixable. That's that's debatable because they keep making the same mistakes. But this eyes thing is a tradition thing, and we know college football is all about tradition. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we've both written that this song's not going away. Could it could it cause a permanent split in that locker room? Oh, you know, I don't know if I could look that far ahead as far as a permanent split. Uh, it sure looks split now, as you said. You know, Sam standing out there alone. Uh, again, to me, a lot of it, you know, it falls on the leadership. And, uh, you know, I know Chris Del Conte and Jay Hartzell feel like well, they've shown leadership because they've said we're keeping the eyes. We're going to form a committee to understand the history and the context and, and all that. But uh, as I was reminded this week, it said the committee is not charged with deciding whether to keep the alma mater or not. It's staying. So what are you and, doing? So why are you doing it? Well, that's my point. It's like just – you know, just let it go because you're not helping the situation because it, it's still festering. So I just wish Tom would, you know, have the the leadership and the respect of his team so that they would be out on the field together. And I think it's going to be very telling 
if the Texas Bayer game is played a week from Saturday, if the team does indeed stay out. Because if it doesn't, I think it shows just a deep fracture, you know, in that team and in that locker room right now. I think that I think that Tom has kind of allowed this to fester. He has by, by being too much of a player's coach and and the boss is the boss. Yes. And I know that you don't want a mutiny, <clears throat> but there comes a certain time and I know you like to, to leave it up to the leadership council and blah, blah, blah. I wrote this before the, when this thing started happening in the summer. Whatever you decide, Tom, it has to be uniform. Because mm-hmm. if it's not uniform, uh, it's going to be a mess because either, either everybody's out there for the eyes or no one's out there for the eyes. But what you have is you got people leaving and there's Sammy with his horns up and you're looking at it and you're going, and we're in the press box and we're going, Ooh, those optics aren't good. Mm-hmm. They're not good at all. So I think Tom kind of uh, trying, trying to be friend of the player may have, may have stepped, put his foot in it and it's going to be hard to get it out. I think a lot of ways, Cedric, you're hitting the nail on the head is that it's a little bit hard, if not impossible to have it both ways you know, to have your players back, to totally support them and, and advocating that they take strong stands. You know, Tom Herman marched with them to the state Capitol after the George Floyd tragedy. And uh, so he was immersed in it as well. And now it's hard for him to back up and just be a total boss and say, no, you're going to do this. So it's a tricky, complicated situation. And, and as you said, I think uh, in a lot of respect, Tom painted himself in a corner, and it's hard to get out of there. But uh, there's, there's a whole lot at risk. There's a whole lot of unrest. There's a whole lot of unhappy among the players, among the fans, among the administration, and it's uh, so far away from being settled and settling down. They may not have a game for a long time. Well, they might not. We see what's happening with Baylor. We see what's happening with Florida, and they've already uh, postponed the Baylor-Oklahoma State game, to, as you said, uh, to December 12th. And so that doesn't leave them another open week uh, for both of them, I don't believe. Uh, and, you know, at this point, that Baylor-Oklahoma State game looks a lot more important than Baylor-Texas. It does. Oklahoma State sitting there at 3-0. and But, you know, who knows? But uh, – I don't know. I just I'm scared this whole thing could get shut down almost at any minute. I just think uh as Heather was saying, you know, the Big Twelve is trying to err on the uh side of safety and the health, which is good, but the twenty one day quarantine with anyone test positive. But you know some are gonna test positive. So it'll be interesting to follow the Big Ten, you know, starting uh not this weekend but next weekend to see how many games are gonna be played. Well, you know, Doug, before we get to our, uh, our, our next guest, Clarence Hill of the Forward Star Telegram, I'd be remiss if uh, – let's, let's, let's hit a couple of – just a couple of little hot topics. Okay. What about the Texas A&M Aggies? Getting after the Florida Gators. You, you told me before that game, Florida doesn't have a very good defense set. And, right. and you, you had that upset called the Aggies or – Seemingly on schedule under Jimbo Fisher. 
Well, I don't know about on schedule, but they at least have their signature win that Jimbo has been clamoring for in, in year three here. And you have to be able to beat a top five or top ten team. And to me, it just looked like the perfect situation. You had a senior quarterback in Kellen Mond. You had a Florida team on the road. And those Aggies, however many there are, they make a lot of noise. And Did you uh, say a, did you say a perfect, perfect uh, situation with a senior quarterback? That doesn't always work out, Duck. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate, but I know. I I know from recent experience uh, <laughs> that I was riding a high. Yeah, I was riding a bandwagon because of a senior quarterback driving a bandwagon. You were driving. It. I was driving a bandwagon because yeah. of a senior quarterback, and and I got kicked in the teeth. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, I know you feel badly about that. So I do. I guess you're I, off the bandwagon. I mean, what, I am. Would you have the horns going eleven and one, ten and one? I forget what it was. Uh, I think uh, ten, ten, and one, one, ten and one in the regular season, win the Big Twelve championship, get to, uh, get to the CFP, and then lose to Alabama. Yeah, right. that's that's what I had them doing. I wasn't quite as optimistic. I had them eight and two, and. They're going to run the table, Doug. I don't know if they can get to eight and two. I'm going to be very surprised. And as far as the Aggies go. Uh, not all senior quarterbacks are created equal, but I think if you put Sam in an A&M uniform, which I know sounds horrible, I think uh, they'd be doing just fine. But uh, Kellerman got a little more help from his defense than Sam did uh, on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. So A&M has to go to Mississippi State and face the Pirate uh, this week, which is scuffling. You know, they've lost two in a row. So I, I, talked, to, see... I, I talked to our friend Olin Buchanan of TexAgs.com. He, he thinks the Pirate might get after Aggie this well, weekend. They scored two points against Kentucky, so they better get after somebody. So uh, <laughs> Bulldogs aren't getting it done. I, I just hope they're played. I talked to Alan Cannon uh, today and said, hey, no new tests. And right now the schedule is unchanged. So, you know, I'm hoping Florida LSU plays too. I'm not as optimistic about that one. But uh, we just got to cling to as much college football as we can, Cedric. Yep, we do. Um, NBA, season's over. LeBron James gets that fourth ring, and now the debate has started again, Duck. Why? People think that LeBron James is at the dinner table now with Michael Jordan, despite that four and six record in the finals. He's at the dinner table, though. He's at the same table. He's at the table, but is it the kiddie table right next to Michael's big table? No, he's at the big table, unless you want Mike there by himself. Do you think LeBron James is the second-best basketball player of all time? I think you make that argument. I what do you think? Make, I'm not asking to make think he's, I don't think – in my opinion, now he's, what, 37 years old? I don't think he can ever threaten – I don't think he can threaten Michael's spot at number one. Do you? I just no. Michael was like a ten-time scoring champion and nine times All Defensive Team uh, MVP of the finals over and over. You know, perfect six and zero, oh, like you mentioned, the four and six. That that'll always be held against uh, uh, LeBron, even though you know the first year he's facing such a bad team against San Antonio and there are other factors to that. But to me, Michael Jordan has always elevated himself above everybody else. But uh, I could, I could see uh, LeBron being a clear number two. How about you? 
Um, I could see it. Uh, I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm one of those people. I never overlooked the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I you never overlook him shouldn't. with all of those MVPs. Right. Uh, he won, he won a championship before he's played with Magic Johnson. So uh, I think he had, I think Kareem has how many rings? Five, five with Magic and then one with the Bucks. Six rings. I mean, he's right, right. there. Right. And so um, it would be, it would be, it would be tough for me to, to uh, overlook to Kareem. What would have to happen for you to elevate LeBron above Kareem? One more, two more, maybe one more. And it's tough to just, you know, it's tough to compare positions because he has the ball, and he uh, a better comparison to LeBron would be a Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. who, who was a who was who who also won five championships, and uh, I think he lost twice in the finals. Once to the Celtics. Uh, no, he wants maybe three times. Once to the Celtics, once to the Bulls, and once to the Pistons. So He's played center before in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. So, know, I mean, is there a more versatile player than Magic Johnson? I don't know if Magic ever really gets his due in this conversation of who are the greatest of all time. But I think, I think it's great that LeBron and Magic are very similar types. Mm-hmm. LeBron, LeBron's Magic Johnson with – freakish athleticism. I mean, he is a, he is a ripped up magic Johnson. People don't know how big he is. You and I do. Until he walks by you and you go, Oh my God, he's a monstrous human being. This person he's talking about athletic. I mean, you know, hats off to him, you know, good for him. And it's, it's good to have the Lakers relevant again. It is 17 championships. Last thing, Houston Astros down. Three love as of this recording to the Tampa Bay Rays. Let me find my fork here. Hold on. I got a fork here somewhere. Let me uh, find my trash, my garbage can to, to pound on it like the Rays are pounding yeah. on the Astros. They're just meeting a superior team, man, and Tampa Bay is making nearly every play. It's got the all golden glove, gold glove outfield right now with the plays that Renfro and as arena is uh, are making in the field. And then on the other side of the coin, Altuve has got the yips apparently and can't throw He's got the knob blocks. I mean, he can't throw the ball. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. I, it, it was, it was uncomfortable. He's very, you know, he's such a proud person and I've always loved Altuve. And uh, I know a lot of, People out there that hate the Astros think it's karma and everything like that. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think that whole scandal affected anybody more than Altuve and why his teammates have said, hey, he wasn't doing it, though. We go, well, if I know you're going to rob a bank, said, and I'm just saying, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead and do that. You're still complicit. Okay. So, as I think they all are. But uh, he, he seems to wear that, you know, on his sleeve more than any other Astro. And it's kind of sad to see. Yeah, it, it really is. So uh, let's let's get to Mr. Hill. This will be fun. Not going to keep it. Prescott breaks the tackle. And picks up a total of nine more. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, oh. You almost got to hope it's a cramp, don't you, if you're a Cowboy fan right there? But, oh, that that does not look good, Jim. Oh, no. And look at Gallup reacting and Dalton getting ready to go in. Duck, always always great to have our guy Clarence 
E. Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the, the most senior Cowboys beat writer in the Metroplex. You just heard audio of Dak Prescott going down. Chill, what is the mood at the, at the star? And uh, is Jerry Jones having to seek professional help to deal with this horrible <laughs> event? <laughs> you know, it's it's – it's been all over the place and, and, and it's been like that starting Sunday night and, and, you know, just the, the pall that cast over the stadium, the press box, you know, and, and Kirk was there and just, just to see what happened and to see the gasping and the despondence on the face of the players, the disbelief, Jerry and Steve and the tears. Uh, uh, that was one thing. And, and then they won the game. And, and so there's still hope for the season to a certain extent, because they do finally have a, a backup quarterback uh, that they believe they can win with, with Andy Dalton and especially in this horrible NFC East. But I think part of the thing that, and, and you know, it, it's dirty to talk about, unseemly to talk about, but a lot of the, the disappointment and, and with, with surrounding Dak's injury was, yes, the horror of the injury, but also the horror of the injury with the contract situation in the backdrop. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was part of the horror of, of the whole situation. And we didn't know at that point, we didn't know how bad it was. And Peyton was, he's never going to get his money now, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they did him wrong or he made the wrong decisions. And, you know, it's like everything is all out there now that we've had a chance to breathe, at least from all indications from the doctors and understanding what's going on, that he will be able to come back. At least everything the Cowboys are saying, the right things they're saying is that, He's going to be back better than ever, and we still love him. And at least on paper, it seemed like I don't know if it's going to mess up the money as we thought it would just because, you know, he's going to be a free agent, and the Cowboys can't let him walk. They can't not let him walk. And if he's healthy, as he should be, mm-hmm. and ready to go, and everything is going the right way, he doesn't have any um, issues like uh, your boy in Washington did with just some of the – infections and stuff like that. If he doesn't have any issues like that, if everything goes okay, uh, he should be back ready to go and he should be able to recover from his injury. Another people, number of players have recovered from this injury and then they will have to most likely slap the franchise tag on him, guaranteeing him $38 million. You know, and um, he's much younger than Alex Smith. And right. younger guys heal, heal better. Uh Kudos but to Jerry for – go ahead. Of course, if Andy Dalton goes off, then, you know, all bets off, but we don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> when's, the last time know, Andy, yeah. when's the last time Andy Dalton went off, Jill? I, mean, I yeah. understand that. But until it, until he gets that money, until they put it on him, there's still going to be the um, uh, unknown factor out there to a certain extent of whether they're going to do it. But the Cowboys can't let him walk, especially with so much sentiment in, in, in the way that p- people love Dak and, 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 and the way he is and the type of person he is. They, they have to at least do right by him by bringing it back next year for sure. Culturally speaking, I, I, it felt like a funeral. I was at my mom's house and, oh and Tyler, and I'm watching – it was me, my mom, my sister, uh, my nieces and nephews. Uh, we're all watching the game, and, and I'm in my dad's lazy boy because, you know, my dad's passed on. And so when I go and if I'm down on Sunday watching football, I'm in my dad's chair as my little tribute. And man, when I saw him go down and I saw that foot pointing, I go, I go, he just broke his foot. And, and the fa- the na- the looks on the faces, I mean, you saw tears in people's eyes. It kind of speaks to the respect that this kid has engendered 
in just a short time in Dallas. Because I remember the times that Romo got hurt. You know, people were, were people were mad and and frustrated, but I didn't see the kind of sadness I saw when Dad got hurt. Jason Garrett walking over. I mean, it was a surreal moment. Um, Chill. Uh, where where do they go from here? They're in a crappy division, and they're still the most talented team. They should they should still win the NFC East with Andy Dalton, right? Talented team on offense, not talented team on defense. Okay, and 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 we keep forgetting that they're without their two offensive tackles. As we talk about talented team, talented team at the skill position, you know, with Zeke and the receivers, but. Not necessarily the most talented team at quarterback. I wouldn't say Andy Dalton is better than, than, than Carson Wentz, uh, even though there was a debate with, with Dak. You know, I wouldn't say he's better than Carson Wentz. Um, but they still have the receivers. But the mm-hmm. offensive line is not what we thought it was. There's no Tyron Smith. There's no Leo Collins. There's no uh, Travis Frederick. You know, you're talking about a rookie center with, you know, you, you still have Zach Martin, but that's the only thing you can count on right now. So, you know, you know, we, we still throw that cliche about talented team, and I don't know that they're, they're still the most talented team. And, and uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be – all these games are going to be nip and tuck with the, with the Cowboys, even in the division from, from here on out. And, and certainly they're going to be shootouts because the defense really can't stop anybody. And they beat the Giants. The Giants had hit three touchdowns going into the game before – the Cowboys were their first four games, and they scored thirty, uh, you know, thirty-four points against the Cowboys. So uh, I would say the Eagles are the favorite. Eagles' defensive line is going to get the Cowboys' offensive line fits, uh, and and they're going to get healthy to a certain extent and get some of their guys back. I would say the Eagles are which should be the favorite, but the Cowboys can win this division. There's no question about that. And this, as far as the season and the division, the season is not over, you know, because they can win the division. How's the offense changed, Chill? Do they lean more on Zeke, or is that even possible with their offensive line so big? You know, they didn't want to lean so much on that. They just were behind so much, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, but, yeah, they, they're going to try to lean on the running game. You know, I don't – Dalton is accurate, and, and, and he can anticipate those, but I don't think he, his, his top end is going to be what you got from Dak. And, you know, you don't want him to have to win 30 and 40-point shootouts. You know, you want to be – play more complimentary football. And, and certainly you won't see the quarterback run that they're going to take the options out of the game and something like that. He can move. He's not immobile, but he's not the guy you're going to do design runs with or something like that. But he can move and, and make some plays in the pocket, but you're not going to do mm-hmm. any of the quarterback runs. And according to Jerry Jones, he doesn't want any more quarterback runs with Dak either. When he comes back, he said, take that out of the playbook. You know, y'all got to get rid of the quarterback <laughs> runs. But but certainly you're going you're, you're gonna to see uh, a leaning more on the running game. But 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 he is capable. Dalton is capable of of, of making making plays in the passing game. You got big play receivers. You saw at the end of the game, he made some plays to Andy Dalton. I'm not the Andy Dalton to Michael Gallup uh, to to put them in scoring position. So you have a veteran quarterback who, who who the moment's not too big for, who did not blink when he was asked to come and in and play and lead them down the field. You know, I just worry about again the offensive line. With him and you know, he may not be able to move like Dak was to a certain extent to escape some of those brushes. And you're talking about two the uh, undrafted ratings that tackle right now. Yeah, it's Awful. you know, and it's funny, said and, and chill. You know, he was looking for Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup had two great sideline catches, and he he'd become the third wheel with the Dak at quarterback. C.D. Lamb's stock is just soaring. 
you know, to the heavens right now. Will he look to Gallup more, or was that just kind of coincidental? No, I think that was coincidental. You know, the, the last one, he was flush from the pocket, you know, and he, right. he was scrambling to make it a play, and, and Gallup right. was on, on that side of the field. The thing about it is I don't know that, that, that Gallup had become the third wheel. It's just that, you know, the, the Giants through that game were playing cover two, okay? And it was, you know, the middle of the field was open. Mm-hmm. So that's that was why C.D. Lamb was getting the balls in the middle of the field. You play cover two, the the, the seam, the middle of the field is where, where the soft spots are. And so that's why Dak was hitting C.D. Lamb. That's why it was a big game with C.D. Lamb. But, you know, Gallup had been a big part of the offense in other games. And, and you look at some of the other victories and, you know, you go back to the Rams game, you know, Gallup should have won the game. Yeah. You know, and not for that acting job by uh, – <laughs> Just great Rams, flop. It was a great flop. Great flop. Great flop. <laughs> you know, so you know the, the good news is they do have three capable receivers out there, and you add in you know Cedric Griffin and, and some of the stuff he, he has done, and, and and they got guys they can believe in. they they can make plays in the passing game with those receivers. So uh, you know it's just Andy Dalton to to stay upright, keep him upright, and feed Zeke, and then play pitch and catch with those guys on the outside. Uh, they get the Arizona Cardinals Monday night at home. Uh, that defense uh, under Mike Nolan is already beleaguered and 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 getting crushed um, national nationally and whenever they line up. Yeah, they should. The problem of Kyler Murray, who's no stranger to making big plays in that stadium. What kind of problems does he present? Not only with those legs, and but with the addition of one DeAndre Hopkins, they are making some sweet music together so far. Yeah, I mean, that's the question. And, 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 and you know, the, the Cowboys defense is feeling good off their best performance of the season. <laughs> the Giants. You know, about how they made strides against the Giants and they made plays, oh. you know, against the Giants offense that's horrendous. And now they're going against this Cardinals offense that's, that's so explosive uh, with the quarterback and with those receivers. And, you know, uh, the 100 Hopkins is going to give them fits. And, and, and certainly we know that what Colin Murray can do. And he's never lost a game at AT&T Stadium. Nope. You know, and, and you know, a Texas guy, you know. You know, I've been watching the kids since he was in high school. I know his dad well. Uh, you know, so they're going to want to come home and make a statement. For sure, they're going to want to come home and make a statement. It's going to be their homecoming, coming out party. He's going <laughs> to try to have a great game. You know, we talked to Cliff Cleveland this morning. And, and, and you know, and Colin Murray is, is, is everything that, you know, they hoped he would be coming out. And so that's the fear. You know, you want to play complimentary football. You want to keep the scores down. You want to rush, but you don't want to get into shootouts. But this defense is going to have to help, you know, and try to slow some of these guys down. And I don't know if if Andy Dalton can get in a shootout with a guy like Colin Murray and, and having, you know, these, these type of games. So the, the key, number one, is reducing the turnovers. And Dak had a turnover and Dalton had a turnover and, and, you know, the, every time the Cowboys turn, turn the ball over, the other team scores. You know, they, it seemed like every time what is the, they don't get any red zone stop. They don't hold them to field goals. They score touchdowns <laughs> when they turn the ball over. Are they, aren't they last in the league? I think they're giving up 36 points a game, which is yeah. the worst in the NFL. Jalen Smith played well. He had probably his best game. Uh, Vander Esch, is he expected back for the Monday night game? You know, there's a good chance he could be, play Monday. You know, I, 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 I personally think he should wait another week or so. I mean, it's, it's only been five weeks since this, you know, fracture. You know, right? Bones can take four to eight weeks, six to eight weeks, something like that. And it's a fracture collarbone. You know, once you fracture it, you can fracture it again. Right. Uh, but 
you know, he did do some things in practice last week, and because of the Monday night game, they have extra day. So they're looking, you know, at maybe playing him this week. Nothing's been decided yet, and we'll see. But, you know, so you feel good about the Cowboys getting better because they're going to get some of the guys back. You know, if you can get Layton out there with Jalen to help that linebacking core, that, that's how they got Anthony Brown back last week uh, after being out since the start of the season. And, you know, he made a big play uh, with the fumble return for the touchdown. Uh, so Cheeto Awuzie should be back soon, the other cornerback who's been out. So they're going to get some of those guys back and get healthy back there on their defense. Hopefully that, that makes a difference. But, you know, whenever Layton comes back, can't be too soon. They, they need him. I wonder, too, guys, is there going to be an emotional hangover with no Dak? I mean, I don't think I've ever been in the stadium, Chill, like like you and I were on Sunday, and said it was just a hush. And, and then it, it was It was just, a hush because there was only like 12,000 people there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. They're breaking no. COVID records. That's not true. They break COVID records every time. <laughs> how, many, how many did they have? How many? What was the like 25, 25, 143, yeah. and 147. They had, they, they've had the most fans in any game in, uh, in the NFL this year, and they keep getting more each game. So they, it's 112, <laughs> but 25. Uh, do you think there will be a hangover? Just the whole thing, Dak's not going to be with us all year. Well, you know, it depends on how they play. You know, if they go out and win, they won't be an angle. If they go out and lose, they're going to say, oh, I wish we had Dak. You know, you know how that goes. And, again, you you, you know, you, you go this week and, and you got the Cardinals. And, you, again, you have an extra week. But you feel good just watching Andy Dalton. There's confidence in Dalton just because they saw him in camp and he's a veteran guy. And, and he knows it's not like, you know, the, the thing about it is, is that there was no confidence last year in the back of quarterback. One reason why Dak has this streak of 68 straight starts, nine straight starts since the rookie year, because they didn't trust anybody else to come in and play. One, you know, they lost uh, the huge lost the uh, last year's season came down to a game in uh, at Philadelphia when Dak was basically playing with one arm. You had to get shot up in his throwing arm before the game because they didn't trust the backup quarterback to come in and play. You know, and 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 he really, you know, was less than himself. You know, and, and that was a huge difference in, in last season. And, and so getting Andy Dalton, like a proven winner, uh, a guy who's done it before that you trust, they can come in and win games for you. You know, you expect it to be one or two games, not 10 games or 11 games, but that's what it is. But but I, I think there's more confidence they can continue to play and continue to win and certainly win in the NFC East with Andy Dalton than, than hmm. if they had the same backup they had last year. And they wouldn't uh, consider a trade, would they? Jerry no, they're not. You know, they got your boy Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert's the third quarterback. Garrett Gilbert is here to say, wow. hey, he may be the backup because he has more experience than, than Ben Denucci. But they signed Garrett and, uh, Garrett Gilbert. He has to go through uh, COVID uh, protocols. Uh, but Jerry Jones said they're not bringing in another quarterback. No need once you get Garrett Gilbert in the, in the house, Joe. That's what Max said. We don't need a backup. We got Garrett. He was supposed to be the savior of Texas. Maybe we're the savior in Dallas. I'm going to tell you, and we're about to talk a little bit about Texas because you're a long, you're a Longhorn. You're a, you're a UT grad, but I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget uh, after the 09 season, we're spring football presser. And Kirk remembers this. We're, we're surrounding Garrett Gilbert. It's like 15 riders, and we're talking to him. And I look at him. I go, Garrett, what's the hardest thing about being the UT quarterback? And he said this right here. Mm-hmm. I go, talking to us? He goes, yeah. 
And, Kirk, do you remember what I said to you as we're walking away? I go, that ain't the dude. That's not the dude. If, if, if sports writers are making him nervous, what's he going to do against Oklahoma? And it, it seemed like the stage was too big. But the NFL stage apparently is not not too big for him because he's carved out a career in that league. Stop. Stop. He's he's gotten checks, Jill. Yeah, but as a backup, he don't have to talk to the media. It's different. The spotlight is not on him. Yes. So what you're talking about is being the guy and not only talking to the media, but also having to perform. He's not being asked to perform at the NFL. He's just asked to keep his job. Thank you. So so it's a different. Beat out the third string guy. Yes. That's true. Well, he wasn't what, on yeah. a roster, was he? Huh? Garrett wasn't on a roster, was he? He was on the Cleveland Browns practice squad. So, six years in, he was on a practice squad. So, if you call that carving out a career. <laughs> I bet he's got more money in the bank than you. I bet he's got more money in the bank than you, Chill. And I he, know you got money. He, no, I don't. But he does. There's no question about that. But you said carved out a career in the NFL. How about Col- Colt McCoy, who I saw talk- talking after the game, you know, with, with Andy Dalton. That That's a nice career right yeah, that's, there. That's a nice he started career. a few games, cast a lot of checks. That that's that's better than what Garrett. What 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 do you have to say? What do you have to say about your Longhorns before we let you go? I know you'll even die on them. Speak on it. They could easily be on. Um, they could easily be what? They beat UTEP. I guess they could easily be one and three. I mean, that was. It's more. We look at that Tech game, and you know that was as fluky as they come. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they could easily be one and three. Easily be one and three. You know, and and and, and I would say this, and and. I don't think the eyes issue would be a bigger deal if they were better on the field. Those, these cannot, are the kind of things that happen when you lose. You these are the kind take, of stories that start I mean, to you get You cannot take about. my traditions away and suck on the field, okay? That's you cannot, true. You know, it's, it's like the boosters, you know, yeah, I, you know, I could stomach some of this other stuff and possibly stomach this, you know, the eyes stuff if they were 4-0, as they should be. Right. You know, if they were 4-0, you know, we – Boosie will be able to stomach some of this stuff, and and, and so it's it's a it's a tough deal. Uh, I I just think that I've always thought that 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 the job may be too big for Tom, you know, and and wow. and, and, and and it's it's from a player standpoint, from a scheme standpoint. I mean, they they get our coach, you know. Uh, and then not be able to control the situation. It just, just, it just may be too big. And in this, I mean, it just, it just kills me that we're, we're back into the. We had a great Sunday. You know, fans don't want to hear about your Sunday practice when you lose. <laughs> no, they don't. On the TCU, <laughs> and then you go back and play. You know, and then you don't perform on on, on the next Saturday. And no one wants to hear that. You know, that's uh, true. You, you're you're not reading the room right. You well, know? you know, if, if Mike McCarthy says we had a great Sunday. That's going to resonate with me because that's where the bread is buttered in that league. But a college coach talking about Sunday, he needs Sunday to be practice. talking about Saturday. That's right. what he needs to be talking about. Right. Yeah, you talk about Saturday, and and I, you know, I, I've said from the beginning, I just the, the eyes issue. They're trying to kick the can down the road, and it, it's not going to go away. You know, and and the the players and 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 the movement on on campus. Is certainly different than the thoughts of, of the alumni, you know, who hold it dear. And I can tell you, when you leave, you certainly hold it dearer than you did when you were there. When you're there, you take everything for granted. 
when you leave, you wax nostalgically about everything about your school and traditions and your memories are, are certainly different than, uh, than they are when you're there because you, you know, you're there, you're, you're living in the moment and you're, you're taking it all for granted. So, uh, but, but this issue in the eyes is, 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 is certainly near and dear to the alumni as well as the students and how they feel about the history of the song and what it means. And, and, and certainly it's not going away anytime soon. And and you mentioned Tom, the job may be too big for him. Do you think, because he's obviously a smart dude, you know, and they've been recruiting talent. Well, okay, maybe he isn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mensa, come on, chill. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Let me ask you, do you see no, you're not. talent on the field when you see your Texas Longhorns, Jim? No, I mean, that, that's the, Kim, the whole idea to recruit talent. And and the thing about recruiting is is – if you can recruit it at one position, but that doesn't mean it's talent throughout. And right. the talent in the trenches on both sides of the ball has not been there. That's it. That's it. It has not been there. And, and, you, and you say you have talent at the, at the defensive back position, and, and I look at the numbers and they do, you know, just from, from a recruiting standpoint, but they don't play like talent. I mean, TCU does not have the, the recruits that Texas has at, at, at defensive back, but they are so much better coached. Yeah. And how they play, and I just look across the league and look at the Iowa States and and of the world and and the way they play defense, Kansas State, the way they play defense, and they don't have the talent that Texas has, but they play better defense. Yeah, you know, even up front, you know, I talk about the trenches, and you know, it's funny because we, you know, we belabor it. We don't have five stars on the offensive line and five stars on the defensive line, and that's why. We, but neither does these other schools, and they're somehow able to get to the quarterback and, and, and get stops and stop the run. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there's something amiss at Texas. Almost like I always laugh at the Cowboys because you know, they got first round picks on at you know at tackle and at right guard, but we belabor the left guard. You know, you know, or we, you know, <laughs> you know, like in the city, we belabor Connor Williams. I know, but you got a first round pick at left tackle. You got a first round pick at right tackle. You got a, a first round pick at right guard. You got a first round pick at center, but you can't move the ball because of the left tackle. Okay, no one is playing with the embarrassment of Rick Texas. I mean, the Cowboys have had over the last few years, but yet they always belabor, well, it's Carter Williams' fault. Well, somehow teams are getting to the Super Bowl without having four first round talents up front, you know, but the Cowboys, the left tackle is the problem. But 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 with the Longhorns, it just I just don't understand, you know, as I I guess go back to yes, I I talk about they don't have five star recruits and, and not getting the Brocker Myers and all the other stuff up front. But still, other teams are able to put lines together and without – TCU has been able to put offensive linemen in the league regularly without, quote-unquote, five-star recruits. Coach Lamont. Yeah, they, it's, it's all about the line of scrimmage. I agree with you. It's like OU just dominated both lines. No, they did. They did. And, and, and the thing that I worry about with Tom is that if you can't win the conference with a four-year starter quarterback, yeah, you know – how are you going to do it next year starting over with a new quarterback right. with no dominant running game or dominant receivers or dominant line to help the transition? How, who's going to help the young guy get up to speed when you don't have any dominant players at other spots? And right. they don't have right. any dominant receivers. or they don't have any, Their skill positions are not special. You look at Tech has a special receiver and Oklahoma State has a special receiver and TCU got a special receiver that, that should have been in Texas, be transferred or, 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 or decommitted. And, and you, you see special talent. Where's the special talent out there 
for Texas to help? That's a good question. Where's the special talent? I mean, they got, they got one. They got player. nice players, but they there's got, no special. They got one special talent quarterback, but he's a college quarterback. I don't he's know. He's a college quarterback. I don't know that he's a pro quarterback. I, I don't either. Do you say No, I don't. Um, I, see, um, I see a better version of Colin Klein. He's a tank. He, he runs. He, he's a physical presence. Um, he can, he's a better thrower than Colin was, but he's but he's not he's not elite on the move. And somewhere along the line, he lost to deep ball. He cannot complete a deep pass to save his life. I think he was over six Saturday. Yeah. So so no. So do you know, those, know. those those six five receivers who used to jump over people helped him complete some of those deep passes. The, the Colin Johnsons. They don't have those anymore either. No. But, but no. you know what you're talking about? It's a very good question, Chill. Where is the special talent? I mean, and even the talent that leaves, you know, Amenahu, what round did he go in, uh, Cedric? Was it fourth? Fourth round, yeah. Fourth round, Colin went to Jacksonville. What was that, the sixth round? Mm-hmm. Even Dever Duvernay, who I loved and was awesome, he went, what, third round to Baltimore, and they're not tearing it up. In the, in the NFL like other teams. So it's just a great question. To me, it's a line of scrimmage thing and where is the special talent? Where are the playmakers that pop off the screen and you go, wow. You like right. watch an Alabama game and you might see 13 players that you go, wow. Yeah, the speed on defense, you know, just, it, it just got me, you know. And, and you know, um, will they ever get a special linebacker again? I mean, it's kind of – Joel is their pass rusher. Yeah, yeah, but he's yeah, but he's not a linebacker anymore. I'm just saying the, the linebacker in the floor, I mean, you know, goodness gracious, Derek Johnson rolling over his grave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? they, just haven't had, they just haven't had that many since he left. Joe. No, they haven't. They, they, they have not. And, and, and it's, it's – it's, Jordan, it's, it's, Jordan Hicks was quality. Jordan he was, was very quality, and he's, and he's a quality player, and he's still playing well in the NFL. Just the injuries, you know. But now he seems like he's settled down. He's going to be there. Money. He went to Cardinals. And, and, That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, where's yeah, Malik but, Jefferson? Malik Jefferson was the face of the program. He's out of the league. Wow, he can't even play in the is league. He on a pra- is he even on a practice squad? I don't now? think so. I think he last I saw, and I've tried to keep, but he's been released Cle- from a practice squad. Yeah, so. Cle- Cleveland let him go. So, so yeah, uh, it, 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 it's it's tough, and and so. You you look at you know this whole. I'm glad you know we're we're stop fighting about this this D back uh, DBU stuff because we have that. You know. It's not there. It's not there on any level. You know you can't. You know, and it, again, you look at this draft coming up. Who's gonna get drafted? Cosme supposedly. Yeah, left, and, left has, tackle. Has he, good, has he been good this year? I don't think so. <laughs> he hasn't been great. They can't. They can't run the football. I mean, right. They, but I mean, can't. I'm just saying. I don't see him pancake. I mean, I don't see anybody saying, "No, Cosme said, you know, doing this. They can run behind Cosme to get this." I mean, it's just, it's it's, it's it's tough to watch. And and so you say they have talent. They recruited well. Where where is it? Maybe we should get rid of the recruiting services. Maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and they're losing. And let's be honest, they're losing recruits. You know, this season is you know they're 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 in for whatever reason you know the 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 big Bowman kid that is from North uh, from Denton who, who just put out a top three uh, yeah. he was one of the best recruits Texas had 
you know, he got OU on that list. OU, Georgia, and LSU. Now Texas not even being considered. You know, and then the Brock so, Myers left. Well, the Brock Myers, they were never uh, on the list. You know, I'm yeah. talking about the decommits. You know, you know. <laughs> but you're losing legacies. <laughs> yes, you can't. Texas you used to didn't lose legacies. You can't get legacies, and so when it, they bring in Casey Stutter and Lawson, like, because their dads played there, right? You, and and now they're losing those kind of guys, and I, so, I don't know. I just, I just. I'm I'm not trying to try trying to pump pump a bomb on it all, but it just it just seems like uh, they might be headed for a dark period. Well, unless they make a change. Yeah, and then you want to hire Urban Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> Who else? Who else is out there? I don't. That's a very good question. You know, and and people want to put out Kyle Shanahan. Why would he's he not leaving? He's not leaving the NFL. The recruit? Who wants to do that? That just well, I mean, why did he leave the NFL? He's still trying to win a title. He, you know, he's trying to be an NFL legend. He's not trying to be a college legend. Yeah. He, know. You know, he, that's, that's not on his radar. So, yeah, he, so, you've got Urban thing, Meyer. It's a, it's a shallow pool, and Urban Meyer's got his health issues, and maybe he won't coach again. Maybe. Well, you know, I was talking to someone that he, if he comes, he may not be there for long, but his short stint, we better than any stint that Texas has had in the last 10 years. So, yeah, that's <laughs> well, put. well, man, Jill, it's always a pleasure, man, uh, dropping knowledge on us. I know, I know your heart is heavy with your long horns, uh, but at least you don't have to cover them. Um, there, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be glad. Watching, watching them is not fun, though. I was telling somebody I was doing the thing, it's, 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 it's not fun. Watch, it's not fun on Saturday. Yeah, it just well, because like, you're emotionally attached, so it's so it takes a little piece of your heart out when something bad happens. It, it's not fun. I live in a metroplex, and you know, and you know, the TCU people are loud down here, and the fact that the Gary Patterson owns Texas, you know, it's just like, and and that's all because of coaching. You you can't. He does not have more talent than Texas because he's out coached Texas, and is a better coach than what Texas puts on the field. That's what it is. And, you know, it, and it's typical that Gary Patterson and TCU beats Texas, but then turns around next week and loses to K-State. Well, I got a friend who says Texas should hire Bob Stoops. That, uh, he knows how to win <laughs> in the Cotton Bowl. And, and he, he definitely doesn't have a job now. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, anyway, Chill, it's been wonderful, man. We will see you at AT&T Stadium uh, very soon. And uh, like said, said, appreciate you being with us, dude. Thank you, guys, man. On Second Thought. That will do it for episode 196 of On Second Thought. We have to thank ESPN's Heather Denich and the Fort Worth Star Telegram's Clarence Hill for joining us for The Duck. I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.